Live your best life. Live your best life. And um, I wanted to share something that was just on my heart this morning. I, this past week while I was praying, I just felt like the Lord wanted you to know that there's some people here that you may be believing for God for, maybe your relatives or friends or spouse or whatever, believing for them to get turned on to God or whatever. And the Lord just wants you to know that this year is the year. You need to believe that. Amen. Can you believe that? Just believe that 2020 is the year. And um, I believe that people are going to be coming in. And I, I just wanted to go back a little bit. Last week was uh, a holiday weekend, and it's always really, really a light crowd. That's a nice way of saying there was about half of you all gone. But uh, there's some things I, I just felt like it needed to be said to make sure that all of us uh, are on the same page. And, uh, you know, when I... Sometimes when I preach a message, a lot of times when I preach a message, you know, sometimes, you know, Brother Hagin used to say this. He says, God allows the pendulum to swing way over and then come back to the center line, you know, and it, it, to swing way over means to maybe grab your attention or to make something emphasize that's, you know, it's not some word that you want to build your doctrine. Does that make sense? And... Uh, by that, I mean, for example, I said something about light and darkness, that if light is stronger than darkness. Light does not have to take authority over darkness. And so you could take that and you say, so we never have to take authority? No, that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying this, that if you realize the power of light that is in you, taking authority becomes much easier, and it's just like breathing with less effort instead of, oh, I've really got to take authority over darkness. I've really got to make sure I'm... no. You can take authority over darkness knowing that darkness is so inferior to light. That was the point that I... And if you weren't here, just forget that I said anything. <laughs> but I do believe this for the church, and uh, I, I don't want this to be taken wrong either. I believe heaven is the most awesome place. I mean, I just can't wait to get there, so to speak. But having said that, I believe that the church, it seems like it's more important to, for the people to avoid a place called hell and get to a place called heaven instead of being in a place in Christ. That's where I believe the church has missed it. And uh, because that is the most important thing is to be in Christ. That was a great time to say amen. 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 I do believe that being in Christ, because then you, you're just going to have victory in and out. But for 2020, I do believe that there's going to be a great awakening for, for us as a church and for people. I'm believing, and this is what I pray for you all. I pray that your eyes are going to be under, have a greater understanding and revelation to who is inside of you and me. Because for the most part, we, we just don't have a super big clue of that. You, and people say, that. I'll go, oh yeah, Jesus is inside of me. Christ is inside of me. I believe my body is the temple of God. You know, Christ is inside of me. What do you mean? What does that mean to you? What does that mean? It can be just, you know, we just, it's kind of like a religious thing sometimes we say, you know, like, oh, yeah, God bless you. We really need to understand what is in us. We really need to understand that we are the temple of God. Your body, you know, so much as put upon our body like, oh, the body doesn't mean anything. It's just going to go back to dirt. Well, that's true. It is. But how I many you know it's a good thing right now? 
it is a good thing because if you don't have, if it goes, if it goes to pot, <laughs> anyway. But if, if your body goes down, you're leaving this earth. So it is kind of an important thing, your body. But you need to know that your body is the temple of God. What does that mean when I say that, when you hear that? What does that mean to you? It means this, that I believe, have you ever thought this? Why didn't Jesus ever have to uh, fight off sickness? And most people's response is this, well, he was a son of God. Well, if then that's the case, then that's not a good example for you and me. Furthermore, it says in Philippians that he emptied himself and became a man just like you and me. In other words, he put off his godly characteristic as far as, you know, he couldn't be anywhere anytime he wanted to. How many of you understand that? Jesus didn't go and show up someplace else. Now, he did that after the resurrection, but not before the resurrection. He didn't do any of that. He was tired. He got tired. He got sleepy. He got hungry. Why? Because his body was just like your body. But this is why I believe, this is my opinion, why Jesus never did have to fight off sickness and disease off his body. It wasn't because he was a son of God. It's because he realized who he was, that he was the righteousness of God, and that truly his body was the temple of God because God was with him. My point is this. If you and I have a revelation of that, that we are the body of of Christ, that my body, my physical body inhabits Jesus, and that I am the righteousness of God, because this is what I know. I know that where righteousness is, sin cannot touch. And where sin cannot touch, sickness cannot touch. So if we have a greater revelation of who we are, the righteousness of God, my body's a temple of God. Now, don't get me wrong. Everybody's going to be thinking, oh, man, that's a bum. If so, if I get sick, you know, that. Hey, we're, not all, we're all growing in this. We're all growing in this. So don't feel condemned if you're I just know one thing, though. I'm growing more in this than I ever have, but I still haven't arrived. But like what Andrew Walmack says, I've left the port, which means I'm on my way. You and I are on our way. So I'm believing us as a church that we're going to have a greater revelation of just what all that means when we say Jesus lives inside of me, that my body is a temple of God, that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because a lot of times, you know, we, you know, we can quote that scripture in Isaiah where it says that God doesn't think like us and his ways are not our ways. Most people know that scripture. And if you don't, it's in there. But this is the part that, I've known that, but I didn't know it because I still have trouble sometimes making my thoughts think that, well, this is what God is thinking. For example, if I, if I, was, if, if I ticked you off or if I, you asked me to do something and I didn't do it, I let you down, I'm going to think, oh, man, they're not going to be happy with me because of what I did. I mean, I really let them down. It was a big deal to them, and I let them down. You know, man, they're not going to be happy with me. They're not going to be pleased with me. Let me understand. That's, would that be how you think? <clears throat> Six of you. That's good. Okay. But um, most people think that way, I think. But this is the thing. God does not. 
We make God think that this is the way God thinks because this is what I would think if I, if I let God down, if I was disappointing to God, if I dropped the ball with God, if I didn't serve him like I know that I should, if I didn't live for him like I, I, God would not be pleased with me. That's what we think. But God sits there and goes, my thoughts aren't your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. So what does that mean? He's not going to think like you and me. You are pleasing to God today. If I would have asked you that, I could have really threw a hook, line, and sinker and reeled you in. If I would say, how many people think they're pleasing God? Maybe two people would have raised their hand. Everybody should have raised their hand. I said everybody. I said everybody. That includes your spouse that's sitting next to you. You think, well, I don't know about her. I don't know about him. No, everybody. He doesn't think like you and I. But the good news is this. He wants us to think like him. That's why that's out there in the foyer. Rethink God. We're not thinking right. And we think wrong thoughts about him. Man, he's awesome. He's a great father. So... We're changing that. I believe it's going to be even greater in 2020. Amen? And because, you know, there's times that, like I said, I, I know that there, there's some sermons I, I get excited about, and I'll, and I'll swing that pendulum way over, and everybody goes, what? Don't worry. It's going to come back to the middle. But it is to get your attention. It is just, you know, this is what I feel like. You know, somebody says, I just need to shake you. I think God wants to shake us to get all that junk out of us, all the religious stuff out of us that's been poked in us from since birth, you know. This is the way God is. And, this way, and let me just say this. I know there's going to be some people who maybe visit our church, and you may be one of them right now, who come in here and you go like, you know, I just believe this is the way God, and we should do this. And it's all, and it's all about performance. It's all about doing. It's all about dotting every I and crossing every T. And if we don't, you know, we're not going to be pleasing to God. And I understand that. And you know what? I'm okay with that too. But that's not us. It's not. And, and if you come here and you're thinking, well, I'm just going to, you know, there's, there's been a couple of people, more than a couple, I'm being nice. But, but in our church history, there's been people who come to our church and they're going to change us. They're going to change us. And this is my mentality. That would be like me. Going to the airlines and getting on an aircraft that says, and go up to the pilot and says, I know this says to Dallas, but I want to go to L.A. I want you to take me to L.A. When everything's said and done, the, the plane's going to go to Dallas. I don't care how, what you say to that pilot, you are not going to convince him. If I, I've been one time, this was years ago, before all the security and everything, you know. And so I don't know if it wasn't as tight, but it was hilarious. We're all in this aircraft, you know, and everything. And the stewardess gets up and she says, and today we hope it's a two-hour flight to Dallas. And the person sitting in the back goes, Dallas, I'm not going to Dallas. And she said, yes, you are. (laughs) So my whole point is, if you come to this church, we're going to Dallas, (laughs) figuratively speaking, which means this, we do believe in the goodness of God. We do believe that the gospel includes that God wants you well, that God wants you blessed, and that he's made you the head and not the tail and above and not beneath. We do believe that God is an awesome father, and he only does good, period. 
And he's not out to get you. He's not the Godfather. I used to believe that even about my giving, if I didn't tithe. If I didn't tithe, God was, you know, he's going to get his money somehow, you know, and break my car down. He's going to get, he's going to get his money, you know. And we, we, we would think God is like the Godfather. He really, I did. Nobody would say that, but that's the way people preach. And you can turn on the TV today, and they're still saying that. If you want to be blessed, you just give this amount, and you'll be blessed. No, you'll be that far shorter in your checking accounts, what you're going to be. I don't, give, I don't give to get God to bless me. And if you give to get God to bless you, you're, you're, your motives are wrong. Your attitude's wrong. You need to stop it. You need to stop. I know you may not agree with this. If you tithe because of that, then tithe is all wrong. If you're tithing, if you are tithing because it's a way that you just love God and you want to show that you trust him and that you believe in him, then that's a good way to tithe. But God does not, does not require you to tithe so that you can be blessed, so that you can be healed, so that you can be fill in the blank. You go, you know, some pastors hear that and go, you really shouldn't say that. They won't give. (laughs) But if you're giving because of that, you might as well just take it, put it in the toilet, and flush it. I'm just saying, I, I, I want people to be free in every area of their life when it comes to serving God and believing God and living for God. And that includes your giving. I gave more, and I'm, I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back, but I just want to share my heart. I gave more in 2019 than I've ever given in my life, and I don't even believe in tithing as far as the way most people believe in tithing. I don't. So I, obviously, I believe in giving. But I tell you what, I've been set free, and when you get set free in something, now I have liberty to give. You know what? I, I don't even hear God in my heart say, Mike, give $1,000 this week. Yes, Lord. God didn't tell me one time in 2019 what to give. Not once. Not one time. I don't even ask God how much I should give. I know some of you think, you're just messing with my theology all upside down. Most of you need your theology set upside down so it can be set up right. Let me tell you this. You know when some, there's some tragedy? We might as well just ride this horse all the way to the barn. But you know when there's some tragedy? <laughs> I'm from Kentucky. If you don't know, that's just read between the lines. But uh, you know when there's some tragedy, you know, people, you know, they give to the Red Cross and everything. And why do they do that? They believe they're going to be a blessing. It's going to help people. It's a good thing. This is my point. This is why I I want part of the reason I give to my own church. I give to other ministries too, just so you know. But uh, this is one of the reasons why I give the majority of my giving to this church is because I believe we're helping people. I believe we're making a difference here. I mean, we gave almost $3,000 over the holidays to people in need. Not even close to that came in. You know, we took up 
you know, told everybody for that. But it's just because I wanted to help people. Now, having said that, I think that's a temporary fix to give people. But some people, I mean, they need a temporary fix. But my part and what I'm hoping for in 2020 is this at Rocky Mountain Family Church. There's three areas that people really need help in. And they may not be in this order, but, you know, one of them is your health. People want to be healthy. The second one is finances. People want to eat. <laughs> Don't look at me so holy there. I mean, like, well, no, yeah, everybody wants to eat, pay your bills. And then thirdly is relationships. Most problems in life come from one of those three areas. So the point is this. The gospel, the good news is that Jesus came to help you in all three of those areas. All three of them. So my job as your pastor, your friend, somebody who wants to see victory in your life is to make sure that I get as much information and transformation in those three areas of your life so you can be healthy in your body, healthy in your pocketbook, and healthy in your relationships. That's what God wants. He's a good God and a good father. He wants you to succeed in all three of those areas. And we're not all arrived in any of those three areas. But again, we've left. We've left. And so it's my desire that I'm hoping that you do give because you can hook up with us as far as our vision goes that we want people to succeed in those three areas. You know, our main vision is that over there on the wall. I mean, it's those three humongous pictures that are just bigger than life itself to me. And if I dwell upon those, it just gets overwhelming to me. And sometimes I just get, look, at, I come in here and I pray and I walk and I see those pictures and I just go, oh, Jesus, help us, help us, help us, help us, help us, help us. Because, I mean, to build a college in the Congo, that's millions of dollars. To build a youth center that's out of the box, state-of-the-art, Star Trek type stuff, Star Wars Millions of dollars. A new building for Rocky Mountain Family Church, which I believe, I'm really believing this year we're going to find something where, you know, people don't have to get a GPS and, and still have a hard time finding this, you know, because we're stuck back in this subdivision, which I'm grateful for, for this building. I am. But I would like them more than 20 cars going down the drive or the street to see us. I don't know if there's 20, but there's not a lot of cars that drive by our place. It would be nice if there's 5,000 cars driving by our place to see it. So I'm believing for, for another. And then the Lord, I know it's in my heart. I want to change Pueblo. I do because I love Pueblo. I mean, I wasn't born here, but I love Pueblo more than anybody in Pueblo. I can honestly say that. I do. I bleed Pueblo. Stick me Pueblo is going to run out of my veins. But anyway, this is the thing. The Lord has shared with me. I, I saw this on Facebook. The Lord speaks to Facebook through me, speaks through Facebook sometimes to me. I saw this video of Neil Armstrong jumping off the, uh, the Apollo spacecraft onto the ground, you know, and he says this, one small step for man. I'll just say it, one giant leap for mankind. 
And the Lord says, you can get to your destination one small step at a time. So he says, Mike, just believe, have the church believe for 200 people to show up every Sunday morning. We have about 150, 160, sometimes 170. So believe for 200 people every single Sunday to show up. Start there. One small step for man. Why do we want 200 people to show up? We want to change. We change people. We can change a city one person at a time. There was this documentary. There was this big storm, and it, for some strange reason, it just washed up all of these starfish up on the shore. And this one guy said that they would die. So it was on the news. And so there's this one guy out there, and he would t- pick up a starfish, and he would take it and put it back in the ocean. He would take it. And somebody came out there and interviewed this guy and says, so do you think this is really worth it? I mean, is any good just to, I mean, there's thousands. I mean, you're not going to be able to save all of these. It's impossible. And blah, 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 blah. He just kept it on, and he picked up one. And he says, do you really think it's any good for you to do that? And he picked it up. He says, this one thinks so. So we can change Pueblo one person at a time, and it'll be this person thinks so. I just want everybody to really get this church to become your church, not my church. Our vision to become your vision, not my vision. For you to get excited to get people to rethink God, not just me to want to get people to rethink God. For you to have a strong desire to see our city change one person at a time. I just want you to get hooked into that because Melly and I can't do this on our own. And, and when that comes to, to your giving, to serving, to whatever, listen, there is no arm twisting going on here. I don't want anybody to do anything that they don't want to do. I do this because I love to preach. This is the easiest part of my job too, by the way. Come Monday morning, I do book work. That's real spiritual. It is if you don't want to go to jail, so it's real spiritual. But listen, and I know there's some people, you may be thinking, Pastor, your vision and just who you are, I have changed tremendously in the last five years. If you've been going to this church more than five years, you know the way that I preach, who I am, I've changed a lot. And sometimes change isn't the greatest thing for people as far as, you know, people, when they hear the truth for the first time, a lot of times it's not accepted happily. It's rejected a lot of times. It's been that way even with my life. When I first time I heard the grace message, I go, well, they're wrong. They are so wrong. This great, they're going to the ditch about this grace message. That was me five years ago. Yeah, man, I mean, I was just, no, I, they're messed up. Until the Lord got home, he says, you're the messed up one. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, it says this about the grace message. It says, for the grace of God, the what? The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. So the grace of God is here 
to cause us to live godly, righteously today. The what? The grace of God. So you show me somebody that says, oh, this grace message, you know, yeah, I mean, God, it doesn't really matter how I live, you know, if I say, it doesn't matter, you know, it's just, that's the grace of God. You have no clue what grace means then. You don't. My whole point is this, is that we're all growing in this, including moi. We are. It's a journey. And I know there may be some of you out there, one or two, I just feel like, I don't know, Pastor, you, you, you just changed and as far as hooking up with this. I just want to let God speak to you this morning. Don't jump the ship because you think that L.A. is a better destination than Dallas. God wants to change us, including me. He wants to change us. I'm just sharing from my heart today. I do every Sunday, but I just want to get this out, that what we're doing here is not a Mike Davis thing. If our church never grows, if it stays just like this until the day that I die, I'm, I'm going to bust the gates of heaven going, whoa, that was a... Awesome time. I'm going to, my testimony is going to be like Paul's. I have finished my course with joy. I have run the race and I finished my course with joy. I enjoy life. I do. I enjoy preaching. I enjoy sharing the truth. But nothing shakes me to the core is seeing people have victory in their health, in their finances, in their relationship. I just, it just, it just rocks my world. I love that. I guess that's why God put the gift of a pastor in me. If you're not a pastor, you're not going to understand that, and it's okay. But I do know this. Because God put that gift in me, it's a big deal for me to see people transformed. It's a big deal for people to have victory in their life. And if you're struggling, we will be there for you. We're not going to be the perfect. If you're looking for a perfect church, honey, get on the L.A. plane. If you're looking for a perfect pastor, definitely get on the L.A. plane. I'm not even, <laughs> I will be the first one to tell you, you know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not even going to treat you 100% right. I mean, my wife will tell you, I mean, I, I love her, but I'm not perfect to her and treat her 100% right. The good news is she's still married to me. This is a thing. I don't want, I want us to grow in this, and we are. When people say, I don't want to go to that church because they're hypocrites. That's like going to the hospital because there's sick people. <laughs> Who wants to go to the hospital? Well, I don't know. There's people. You know, people die there. Yeah, they do. We're not going to be, per- we're not going to be, uh, you know, never going to get condemned or judged. I hope not. But people are people. There were people and people during the time of Jesus they haven't changed a whole lot. People are still people. 
But my goal is that we would judge less, that we would condemn less, because it's the heart of God that we never judge or that we never condemn, period. Are you hearing me? No matter what people wear, how they look, or even what they do. Hope. 2020, you know, it gives us hope. And I do believe that we're going to get more revelation this year than we ever have. I believe we're going to understand love like we never have. I'm going to preach on it in February, but I'll give you a prelude. I believe that, you know, there's been times in my life when I tried to love, you know, and I pull out, you know, the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. I've memorized that, you know, so I could be a better lover. <laughs> and the Lord says, as long as you try to do that in your own strength and your own work, it'll become a work, and you'll not be able to do it. And I just didn't get that. When we have a revelation of the love of God, it will be effortlessly. Jesus is hanging on a cross, man, spikes in his hands, man, people spitting at him. He's naked, but naked on the cross. People being shameful, saying all these things, terrible things, and he sits there and goes, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He just gives them a big hug right there on the cross. That's love without any effort. That love is inside of you and me, and we have the ability to do that to everybody. We don't, but we have that ability. My goal is for us to have a revelation of that so we can walk in it. And when you walk in something like that, it's effort, effortless. Loving people should be effortless. We have the love of God inside of us. This is just like... Buckshot messaging, which means it's we're going everywhere. Back to that vision. One last thing about it. I want everybody to know this. God did not speak that to my heart, any of those things. God didn't say, Mike, I want you to believe for a college in the Congo. Dad, Mom and Dad Hagemeyer, that's his desire. God spoke to him. I mean, that's his whole thing. But I thought, I want to be part of that. I want us to be part of that. God didn't speak to me about building a youth center in Pueblo, Colorado. I went to a city council meeting, and I said, what, what do you guys want to see here? And that's what they said. I said, count us in. God didn't speak that to me. I want to have a new building, a bigger building, a better location. God didn't tell me that. So your point is, well, Mike, how can you, if God didn't speak these things to you, how can you have faith, and how can you believe God for this? And I struggled with that because I thought, you know, Lord, I just sit there and say, is it okay that I'm believing for a college in the Congo? <laughs> is it okay I'm believing God for a youth center? Is it okay because I want a bigger building and a better location? First of all, if you got kids, how many of you as parents, you just if one of your kids says, I want a nicer house, I go, cool, man, yeah, I want you to have a nicer house. Man, I would like to drive a nicer car, Dad. Me? Oh, yeah. I'm just, let's pray. Let's believe. Listen, I want you to drive a nicer car. Me? I want to drive a nicer car, too. <laughs> and it, as a parent, I want that for my kids. Do you want that for your kids? Live in a nice house, drive a nice car, have nice things. Is that okay as a parent for you to want that? So my heavenly father said this to me in Psalms 37, 4. 
Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. So that just made me feel at ease because I thought the Lord didn't speak that anything to me about the vision, about even things that we're doing here at the church, but this is the thing. I want it. <laughs> it's a desire of mine. And the Lord goes, ka-ching, okay. That's how good he is. He wants you and I to have nice things, good things. He does. He is so good. I just believe in 2020, you know, where a lot of times when the new year comes, you know, where we look to the future, which I believe that's good. You should plan and believe for the future. It's just so exciting because the whole world does that. They're believing that the following year, uh, upcoming year, it's going to be great, and they're believing for good things, which is good. And they look at the past, and they forget the past. But the problem with life is it's daily. Every day. So God said something about today. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 7. It says this. So God said another time for entering his rest. And that time is today. What time is it? To enter into his rest today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. So God wants us to enter into his rest. Also in Hebrews, it says that we should work to enter into his rest. What in the world does it mean to work to get into his rest? It, it takes work to get into his rest. So a lot of times people say, oh, yeah, you've got to perform. That's the work. No. Jesus said this to, to people who asked him. They said, what is the work that we should do? He said, this is the work that you should believe upon him whom he has sent. In other words, believe in Jesus. So that's the work. For us to get there, we have to renew our mind. You have to think differently to stir up the faith that is already inside of you. How do you do that? I'm going to just tell you what I do. For example, healing. I try to at least once a week to listen to something about healing. I looked at our website. On the audio version, if you go to the media and the sermons, you can go all the way in the audio back to 2017. Everything that's been preached from this pulpit, 2017. It's over two years' worth of stuff. Free. You can listen to that. The video, I don't think it goes back as far. But once a week, I'll pull up a YouTube. You can listen to us on YouTube. Uh, if I, I want healing to be easier for me to get a hold of as far as in my mind. And when to do that, I have to keep renewing my mind to that. So I want to encourage you. I don't, I don't want you to think, oh, I don't listen to the word that much. This is not about condemning or, or um, making you feel guilty. I'm just telling you what I do so I walk in health at a better and higher degree. I get my mind renewed and think that it's the will of God. So I listen to the word every week about healing. If it's finances. You can listen to things. And when I'm struggling or going through something, man, I crank it up even more, not louder. I mean, I'll listen to something on healing daily. If I'm, trying, if I'm fighting something off, a couple of nights ago, I woke up in the middle of the night. Man, I had a migraine that was slapping me upside one down the other. So I, I was walking in the living room, man, and I pulled out my laptop, and there was these healing scriptures, nothing but healing scriptures and music. 
for 45 minutes, I'm walking around the living room, quoting, listening, quoting, listening. Not making it to twist God's arm, but just making Mike realize healing belongs to me now. 1.30 in the morning, Jared walks in. He goes, man, Dad, you're up late. I go, no, I'm up early. <laughs> I've already been to bed and I'm up. He goes, what? He was just getting a drink of water and he walked back. And I said, I'm just praying. I'm just praying. That thing got knocked out of me. It took about an hour or two. You say, well, man. Took an hour or two. Yeah, it's better than it used to take all day. 12 hours, 24 hours. I'm just saying what I do. You do what you, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty or whatever, but get a hold of the word this year. Let's get, let's get our minds renewed to the goodness of God when it comes to health, healing, and relationships. Let's have victory in this. This is the will of God. And he is not withholding any of those three from you or me today. Nothing. Everything's been put inside us. I didn't get to Acts. And Acts, Peter sits there and says, there's a, a, a man who's paralyzed. He's sitting at the, by the gate going into church. And he's begging for alms. Peter and John are walking by the gate. And uh, the guy, he's holding his hand out. And Peter looks at him. And the guy's expecting something from him. And, and Peter sits there and says, silver and gold, I don't have any. But such as I have, I give to you. This is what I want for our church. You and I have everything that we need on the inside of us. Just like Peter understood. To such a degree that we have the ability to give it out even. Ephesians 3.20 says that God will do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that is in us. Everybody here has enough power to do anything in life and to help anybody in life. We just don't see it yet. We just don't see it up here. But it is in you today. We have the ability, just like Peter says, such as I have. I give to you. He jerked him up, and that guy who never walked stood up on his own. Such as I have, I give to you. My goal is to wake up all of us to realize what we have in us, to what you have inside of you. You got it in you. You lack nothing today. You lack you don't lack righteousness, you don't lack holiness, you don't lack power, you don't lack faith. You don't even lack faith. It's inside of you. But if you don't know, you don't you can't get it manifested if you don't know what you don't have. So my goal is this year is to awaken you up to what you have so you can be like Peter and says, such as I have, boom, I give to you. You can't give nothing away if you don't know you got it. But we got it. We all got it. And so I believe that's going to be waking up in all of us this year. What does it mean to be righteous? going to dig into that this year so you know that you, without a shadow of a doubt that you're righteous what does it mean to be holy you are holy what does it mean to be healed all of the healing power in the world is inside of you today it's not up there 
know, people are crying in churches today, begging God, God, please heal me, please. I've been good. It's not how you get healed. You find out what's inside of you. All of the healing power in the world is inside of you today. Not up there, inside of you today. All of salvation's power is inside of you and me today. Everything that you need to life. Peter says, everything that pertains to life and godliness is inside of you today. It's in us. We just don't have a revelation of what is in us. But the light is coming on on the inside of your brain to drop down inside your heart that you know what you have. Let's do it. Amen. Our scripture for this year, I, I just came up with this. I just thought this would be a good scripture. I'm memorizing it on my way. It's Romans 15, 13. Romans 15, 13 says, Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace. And this is the important part. As you trust him. This is what God wants for you. He wants you to be so overjoyed, uncontainable joy and perfect peace as we trust in him. And then it says, and may the power of the Holy Spirit continue to surround your life with this superabundance until you radiate with hope. Let's memorize that as a church this year. Let's get that to be manifested in our life so we can go out to people and say, hey, such as I have, I'm going to give it to you. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for causing us to truly have 2020 vision of what we already have. Lord, for there to be an awakening at Rocky Mountain Family Church that we join together as one great family. And we all know in families, uh, there's different personalities, there's dysfunctions, and there's issues. There's just stuff going on. But we're still family. And I pray, and I thank you for Rocky Mountain Family Church, that this is the family that you've connected us to. And Lord, that we will grow together in love, not only for you, Father, but more importantly, our love for one another. This is how you said, the world's going to know not by how much we even love God. Did you hear that? Look up at me one more time. The world's not going to know that you are a follower of God because of how much you love him. He said, there's only one way the world's going to know that you're one of my followers. It's how you love one another. That burns inside of me. I want us to love one another. Doesn't mean we're going to agree with everything, even get along about everything. But I tell you what, when we have the love of God in us, we can love one another. So that's my prayer, that we'll see that and it'll be effortless.